All right, everyone. Welcome back to another installment here of the Minnesota Sports Podcast on July 8th, 2021. How's it going, guys? Uh, we've got plenty of Minnesota sports news to break down here. Um, and just kind of diving right in, we're going to go with the Minnesota Twins. And uh, same old, same old for the Twins. They still keep losing games. Uh, they had a, you know, a pair of five-game losing streaks. Um, then they won two in a row on Sunday and Monday, and then they followed it up by losing more games. So, um, you know, the, the Twins are just kind of back in uh, their usual spot, which has been losing this year. And I know a lot of the a lot of the blame has gone on the pitching staff, and they deserve a lot of that. But can we also talk about the defense and how bad that's been? Can we also talk about how bad the base running has been? I mean, the Twins have ran into so many outs this year. It's been unbelievable. And the defense, something that the Twins prided themselves that they were going to fix. Now, granted, Buxton has been out uh, for most of the year, um, and they've kind of had to deal with some stuff that way. But the defense you've been getting from guys like Simmons, somebody who you expected to come in and provide a defensive boost for your team while also kneecapping yourself in the hitting ability because he's not a good hitter, um, has blown up in their face spectacularly. Andrelton Simmons, and we'll get to his trade value in a second. I mean, if there is much, it is not – there's not a lot left um, after just the way he's been playing. I mean, he already can't hit, and his defensive ability is the one thing he's been hanging his hat on. And I don't know if he's mentally checked out. At this point, he knows the Twins are a losing ball club. He knows that best-case scenario, he'll be on a new team in a couple weeks, so he's just kind of hanging out. Um, whatever the case is, um, Simmons has been playing terrible. He's been kind of the face of that because he was signed here to uh, kind of uh, bring a new uh, – I guess just improve the defense. I mean, honestly, he was, we moved Polanco to short and granted – or to move Polanco to second, but granted that was more to – make room for Royce Lewis if we're being completely honest and Simmons just kind of serves as a stopgap um but either way it's still something that the that the twins um have not been doing great on it all this year fielding has just been a mess i mean they've it's been it's been terrible and anecdotally it's been terrible statistically it's been terrible the only thing the twins can really hang their hat on offensively is that they're still third in baseball with 122 home runs um about halfway through the year so you know on pace to hit what like 244 you know a little bit short of 250 um that's not a bad year but it's still something where Things have just gone completely terrible. Um, it kind of reminds me in 2018 in that way, how the Twins were just so bad at base running and so bad at fielding. And I don't know if it's just because like some years your team is just bad or if the team has kind of given up, kind of like they did in 2018 where everybody realized you're not making the playoffs. Um, you're just kind of playing uh, to try and get some good stats to try and make sure that you can uh, be back next year. Um, but, I mean, it's it hasn't been going well for the Twins. Um, when you can't catch up to the twins are in dead last place. And when you can't catch up to the Detroit freaking tigers, you need to reassess some stuff that's going on within your organization. Um, so, and they have been for the most part, everybody's trade value has been on watch. I mean, articles everywhere have gone over guys from as low on the bin to Schumacher, who's DFA'd and now in St. Paul, um, to guys all the way up to Barrios and Buxton. And, and we're going to get into that here because, Honestly, that's all the Twins really can look for. The All-Star game is going. Um, Nelson Cruz is the only All-Star. That does help his trade value. Um, but 
you know, outside of that, this is really the biggest thing the Twins have to look forward to here is the end of July with the trade deadline and kind of what they do from that standpoint. So what should they do? Now, there's two kind of big schools of thought that have really gone into this. One is you do the traditional sell. You sell the guys on expiring deals. You deal off Nelson Cruz. You deal off Angelton Simmons. You deal off Hansel Robles. You deal off Alexander Colome. Um, You just kind of deal off the, maybe Michael Pineda. You deal off some of those guys um, who are on those expiring deals, and then you just kind of hope that you kind of run the thing back, kind of like they did in 2018. Um, but they still had a few surprise trades in 2018 as well. They had the Ryan Presley trade that got them Jorge Alcala and uh, Gilberto Celestino. Um, so not to say that they can't make a trade like that, but um, that's kind of the traditional one. There are some people who are thinking bigger. Um, bigger doesn't always mean better, but um, it's kind of here nor there. Um, the, is that they should trade Buxton and Barrios. Is that Buxton and Barrios are both going to be free agents, I believe, um, after the 2022 season, so or the 2023 season. Um, so when you look at, and I'm going to look that up to, to double check here, but um, you know, with the way that the Twins' contracts have worked out, some people are saying, well, you know what? Why even deal with trying to give them the extensions? The, the Barrios and Buxton clearly don't want to sign contract extensions right now. They want to wait until they get closer to free agency. And that's not a bad play if you're Buxton and Barrios. If you're Barrios, you know you can make like 25 to $30 million easily. Um, Zach Wheeler is probably the best comparison to what Barrios could earn. And Barrios is still only 27. Uh, Wheeler, I believe, was 30 when he signed his contract. And Barrios is going to become <clears throat> a free agent after 2020, uh, the 2022 season. So you got one more year of Brios in a Twins uniform. You have one more year of Buxton in a Twins uniform. And there's no guarantee that they want to sign. Um, despite the fact that they just want to get to the open market, there's also um, both of them have pro have uh, grievances with the Twins in certain ways. Uh, Brios was taken to salary arbitration a couple of years ago. Um you know, because the Twins didn't want to pay him as much as Brios wanted to get. The Twins usually settle those things outside of court, but they had to go to a neutral arbiter and get that taken care of. So the fact that the Twins fought tooth and nail to uh, essentially prevent Brios from getting a raise um, didn't bode well. I'm sure that doesn't sit well with Brios. You also look at, and I know it's anecdotally and I know it's not fair, but, you know, and I'm not saying that I think this is true, but, you know, another case against it is Brios does sometimes get pulled from games too early. You remember the playoff game last year um, where Brios got pulled too early when he was pitching lights out against the Astros. The bullpen comes in, it blows up in their face. Um, and, you know, the way Brios talks, you know he's a gamer. You know he wants to be in that situation. So um, to see him not get that, um, it's got to feel like it weighs on him. He feels like he's an ace, and the Twins – um, you know, in some ways aren't really treating him like an ace. So it'll be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. Um, and if you're Buxton, I mean, you just have the, the injuries, so that's one thing. But you have the Twins um, in 2019 uh, kind of saying you were injured and then kind of wait – the Twins said you were injured, so you sat out the rest of 2019. You weren't able to help out in the playoff run. Um, it was either 2018 or 2019 – where they um, kind of held him back and Buxton wasn't there. It might have been 2018, um, but either way, uh, in that season where they held him back and 
Um, the reason that they did that is because he was injured. He could have came back. The Twins said, no, he's still injured. We're shutting him down for the rest of the season. And then because of that, he didn't have enough service time. He didn't have enough games played to where he would be a free agent after 2022. Um, essentially, the Twins pushed his team – the Twins strengthened their amount of team control um, and kind of kept Buxton away from playing. Um, so – and if you're Buxton, you got to look at that and think that that's not been a positive sign for you. Um, and so, you know, both, and both these guys are going to command a lot of money, even though Buxton has been hurt, he can point to when he is healthy and say he wants at, you know, 20 to $25 million. So you'll have to invest what almost $50 million a year in Buxton and Barrios and the twins have the money to do that. And I think that they would be willing to do that. This isn't a cheap Polad um, discussion right now, but it's more of a, you know, are both players going to want to stay in Minnesota? And I don't think so. I think if you're Barrios, especially why, why sign with the twins early? Why not wait until you get closer to free agency to sign that extension? Unless the twins are breaking the bank and offering you $40 million a year or something insane, wait to free agency, push your vet, you know, bet on yourself and, um, just wait, kind of let teams get into bidding war for you. That's what Barrios is thinking. So um, both those players kind of don't really want to sign long-term deals. So if you're the Twins, do you flip them now for prospects? That was kind of a lengthy discussion, but I think it's important that we know the background um, kind of going in to why Barrios and Buxton haven't signed extensions yet or why extension talks have been so cold. And if the Twins really feel like they're not going to get an extension out of either of them, then yeah, trade them now. I mean – Unless you really feel like 2022 is your year to win the World Series, trade them now because their value is going to be insane. If you think you can compete next year, um, then you won't be selling them at the deadline. So, And if you can't re-sign them, then you're essentially going to let them walk for nothing. So if you're a team that wants to rebuild or kind of retool in a sense, then trade these guys. They're going to uh, – trade Barrios especially could net you a big return. I know some people have said maybe you pair Barrios and Cruz to the Blue Jays and you can get one of their top prospects um, because Barrios would net you a top prospect. I know trade deadlines don't necessarily net big prospects, especially for a lot of veterans on expiring contracts. But Barrios having a year of team control, being only 27, um, and then adding a veteran like Cruz to kind of help your lineup, uh, that would net you a top prospect, and I think that that would be intriguing to watch. I'm I'm not okay with trading Buxton and Barrios right now. Um, I still think it's a little rash, but if the Twins – I'm getting warmer on the idea if both of them are not going to commit to staying here long term, then what's the point? It's kind of like the Johan Santana trade. Yeah, the, the return they got for him was bad. The execution of the trade was bad, but the idea that you needed to trade him um, – it just had to be done, kind of like David Price being traded from Tampa. It just had to be done. Um, I think even Tampa said at the time, they're like, look, we we, we are who we are. Um, now, the Twins aren't the Rays in terms of salary. They have more, but <clears throat> it's kind of that same concept. So if the Twins go hard sell, if they do trade Buxton and Barrios, um, or at least you know trade one of the two, um, 2023 feels more realistic than 2022 in terms of when they can compete again. They might take another step back, say let's – kind of see what we have here, and then we'll go hard-pressed for 2023. And that doesn't mean that they won't try and compete in 2022. They'll maybe try and compete for like a wild-card spot, but their year where they're really going to go all-in um, is probably 2023. Um, but if they but if they don't sell any hard pieces, let's say they go the traditional thing, um, 
and you sell Simmons or Hap or Column A, Robles, um, then it's more of a 2022 and you're just banking on everybody kind of you're banking on last on this 2021 year being a fluke and then just everybody kind of fixes it again in 2022. Um, but kind of looking at some of these guys, um, Nelson Cruz, he could go to Oakland. He could go to Tampa. Um, I know the Padres are in the National League, but the Padres have been interested in Cruz. Maybe they just kind of make him work. It'd be hard to get him at bats because he really can't play in the field at all. But if you had him in the World Series, he would be so crucial. Um, for a team, but Cruz only going to the American League kind of hurts his trade value a little bit. Um, but <clears throat> um, he could go to Oakland or Tampa; those are kind of the two big names. Uh, Toronto's also been in the mix. Um, there, there's plenty of places he can go. Um, Colome Simmons; those are a couple of guys you're not really going to get a big return for. Jay Happ, you're not going to get a good return for. You're not going to really get a lot of like if the Twins will trade. Some of them, like Andrelton Simmons, will be traded. Um, it just depends on how much they get for him. Um, even if it's just like a player to be named later, even if it's cash considerate. Like the Twins are not going to get anything really meaningful from a guy like Simmons, from a guy like Colome, from a guy like Hap, um, even from a guy like Robles to an extent. Even though Robles hasn't pitched incredibly bad, he hasn't been stellar, but he hasn't been a tire fire like Colome has. Um, you, you'll get you'll get players back. And the biggest thing is you get kind of that, that chance at the table again um, for uh, it's like uh, somebody said like lottery. Somebody said it's like throwing darts at a board, kind of different analogies of basically, look, it gives you more opportunities. You bring in new younger players and maybe you hit on one of them. Maybe one of them turns out to be a good depth player. They don't turn out to be a starter necessarily, but they turn out to be a nice depth piece uh, trading Brian Dozier for Devin Smeltzer. It's kind of how that worked out. Smelter obviously isn't a, a stellar starter, um, but he is a, he is a guy you can, he's an arm you have in your arsenal. He's a lefty. Um, that's important. Um, the biggest thing is Rogers. If they trade uh, Taylor Rogers, that's how you know that they're hard selling for 2023. That's how you know that they are really just wanting to take a big step back um, to to try and go forward. Um, I don't think the Twins should trade Rogers. I really don't. Um, a, the Twins don't really have any left-handed arms besides Danny Colomy, um, Devin Smeltzer, Luke Farrell, but Smeltzer and Farrell are on the IL. Um, they don't have any left-hand pitchers. I mean, they don't. And I know that they have the farm system. There are some guys that they can reach into there. But to have a, a veteran left-hander who you can use in high-leverage situations late in games, a lot of teams kill for that. That's why his trade value is so high. Um, so if there's the right deal, you can do that. And that's kind of what the Twins did with Ryan Presley. But Presley was a righty. Rogers is a lefty. Rogers being a lefty just means so much more late in games because of that you can play the matchup game a lot better. You can do this and that better. Um, I don't think the Twins should trade Rogers. I think the Twins should try and extend Rogers if I'm going to do anything with him. But um, if they trade him, that's how you know that the Twins are really banking on 2023 and not 2022. They want to do a hard sell. And in a sense of Derek Falvey and Thad Levine, I know our confidence has been shaken in them, and rightfully so, um, over the last uh, kind of offseason and the way that they've handled the roster in the last 12 months. But at the same time, they're still trying to build their organization in a sense. They are still have – I mean – I know baseball, it just takes so long for it to really feel like your organization, um, but they still have a lot of guys 
who were brought over from the Terry Ryan era, you know, Kepler, Polanco, even guys like Buxton, Sano, um, Barrios. I mean, th these guys are all from the past era. Now, granted, they've had a lot in terms of how they want to develop and how they want to do that. That's changed. But, um, you know, guys like Larnick are finally starting to kind of come through. Royce Lewis will eventually get here once he recovers from surgery. But, um, you know, then their organization will kind of come through with the guys that they handpicked. So, um, maybe it's in a sense of they wanted to truly be their organization, but we'll just have to find out. The point is, um, the, if the Twins trade Buxton, Barrios, Rogers, that's how you know that this team wants to really rebuild. And that might not be the worst thing, but again, you kind of have to analyze the trades and, and see what they get in return. So with the Twins losing, let's move over to a team that's been winning. Um, and in Minnesota sports, when you look at the professional sports teams and they're all losing, and you're like, okay, which one are we going to find that's going to win some games? naturally you turn to the Lynx. And the Lynx have been doing that so far. I know last time we talked, they were kind of starting to pick up their stride. Um, they started out the season kind of flat. Then they kind of uh, started to, again, they started to figure out kind of their footing. They started to find stuff up. And now they're running. They've won five games in a row. And a lot of that's been because of Kayla McBride. I mean, she's on a roll. She scored 20 or more points in, in three straight games. She had 25 points um, last night against Dallas, five rebounds. She had some, uh, and the biggest thing too is her defense. Um, she's guarded some tough players from Dallas, and I'm trying to see who they played um, in their last game. Um, believe it was uh, the Mercury. Uh, so when you look at some of these teams, when you look at some of, the, I mean, she's been doing very well on defense um, because the player that she had to guard, she had to guard. Um, the wing's best player, um, and I'm going to butcher this, it's it's uh, Erica uh, Ogambale, um, but she's the star player for Dallas, and for her to just uh, essentially shut her down, um, especially in the second half, was huge uh, for the Lynx. Um, and you kind of look at, um, she's obviously been a, a good player for them. She's been great kind of in the last uh, few games, but being able to rattle off five in a row, um, now you're fourth place in the WNBA. It feels like you're finding your footing here kind of halfway through the summer. Um, it feels like, you you know, those early season struggles. And, again, we've talked about this before with other Minnesota sports teams, is that Cheryl Reeve just has that culture. She has that uh, prestige, if you will. She has kind of maybe respect is the better word. She has that respect of just knowing how to get it done. And um, she's coached championship teams. She coached a dynasty. Just that confidence that she has that she'll turn – that even though you have a slow start, that she'll figure something out to turn it around or players will step up and kind of figure stuff out because um, she was ripping them and a lot of it for their um, kind of effort issues. And the biggest way you see effort on the court is through defense. And to see um, defense stepping up uh, for players like McBride um, just lets you know that this team is starting to figure it out. They're starting to get it. Um, you know, is this Lynx team good enough to win a title this year? I'm, I'm not sure, but are they good enough to at least make the playoffs and, and win a series or two? Yeah, they're, they're good enough to do that. Um, especially with Reeve coaching. So, um, kind of, uh, the good defense has been uh, a key. They've also been spreading the ball around. Um, and it kind of came a little bit later. Um, they had 11 turnovers trying to force it to fouls in the first half. Um, and then they decided to kind of start spreading the ball around and they only had two turnovers the rest of the game. Um, so that was huge for them. Um, I mean, it's all, I mean, I, I don't know what more to say other than the Lynx have found their footing like they haven't. And that's good on them because if you look at the twins, they started off slow and <laughs> completely fell apart. 
the links start off slow and they pick up um, they kind of find ways to win and the, I mean I, I don't know what more you want to kind of add on that uh, I don't know what you know really say other than without kind of making it sound like I'm drooling all, all over this but I, I don't know what more to say. I mean, it's, it's refreshing to see a Minnesota sports team be able to do that in a sense and, and kind of figure this out um, and good on the links because there were kind of some questions as the team um, kind of came back to the target center. They played in the bubble last year. So now they finally kind of got back to this uh, kind of a somewhat normal setting. I don't believe they're really letting a lot of fans in as, at least on the lower bowl here for the links games, but um, it's still refreshing to see um, them kind of find their footing um, especially when teams like the Twins are doing so bad. Um, so it's good to see them uh, kind of figuring it out because um, it, it was a slow start, and for them to pick the, pick this up um, is great, especially doing it – I mean, it, Dallas isn't the best team in the league, but they have ripped off a lot of wins. Um, you look at the teams that they beat. Um, they uh, rattled off two against the Mercury. They rattled off an uh, uh, overtime win against uh, Las Vegas, against the Aces, the – a uh, close win against the Atlanta Dream. Um, so they've had a few close wins. They've had a few um, kind of blowout wins when you look at the one that they had on July 3rd. Um, uh, when you look at the one that they had on July 3rd against Phoenix, the Mercury. Um, so right now, if we kind of look at the standings here in the WNBA, the Lynx have the fourth best record, and they're third in the Western Conference. Um so they, their closest team, they're kind of cemented in that third spot in the West because the Aces and the Storm are both two of the uh, two of the top teams. And the Lynx will get their chance to kind of see how well they match up against them because that's going to be their next game. That's going to be on Friday night. Um, so trying to see if that – I mean it should be on uh, Bally Sports North or Bally Sports North Plus, but it might be on Bally Sports North because it's at uh, 9.30 because um, it's out on the West Coast. But 9.30 p.m is when the Lynx play the Aces, and that'll be a good game to watch because, um, you know, the Lynx have won five in a row. Aces are one of the top teams in the West, and it'll kind of see how – I mean, they already beat the Aces once, but to go – I believe that was at the Target Center. It was. So to go on the road now to play a tough team like that will be – it'll be interesting to see. So, all right, that's it for the Lynx kind of talk here. We're moving on now to the Wild. Um, re-signings are on. Uh, the Wild are starting to lock in the young core. We talked about they have Erickson at Capriza, Fiala. They got a bunch Greenway. They got a bunch of guys to uh, not Greenway, excuse me, but they have a lot of guys um, that they needed to sign. And they get the they get one of the big uh, ones out of the way with an eight-year, forty-two million dollar deal for Joel Erickson at the forward, um, getting a lot of money here. Um, and eight, I think the length of the deal kind of surprised me a little bit for them to go all in on eight years, but. I mean, he was a former – he was the 2015 first-round pick, um, so they obviously have a lot of confidence in him. They have a lot of confidence on uh, what he'll grow into. Um, they signed Nick Bukestad, uh, the former Gopher. He's back on a one-year deal um, now, is, and the Wild have kind of said, all right, you know, we kind of have to check these guys off the list, go one by one. My guess is that they knocked the Fiala extension off before Kaprizov um, just because Kaprizov is such – is such a big get that they probably want to get all the little, and I say little after talking about an eight-year, $42 million deal, but they want to knock off all these other uh, contracts off first. They want to re-sign Fiala. They want to re-sign Bukestad. They want to re-sign Eck. They want to do all of this because they want to They want to focus, They want want to to focus. laser in on Kaprizov, and they want to make sure that um, they can focus all their attention on that. And 
it's it's kind of again this is the new young core we're moving away from the parisi suitor era we're moving away from these guys um you know and i know they're still on the team but essentially we're kind of moving into that new direction where they're aging veterans and it's not their show anymore this is kaprizov's team this is spurgeon's team this is Ericsson X team. Um, so it'll be, it'll be fun to see as um, the wilds kind of turn into this new team and they obviously have to get better at center. They have to get better in a couple other ways, um, but they're going to, and they're going to make moves. But I think honestly, if you're the wild, it's let's re-sign all of our players right now. And then in free agency, we'll go get the center and they got to figure out a way to protect some of these guys when the expansion draft comes around, but it'll be fun to watch to see what uh, the wild do here. Um, kind of in free agency and to see what happens with Kaprizov. Because if Eriksson nets eight years, 42 million, that's, I mean, that's, that's a nice extension. That's a pretty good on his part. That's, um, you know, a little over 5 million a year. Um, if I do my birth of math right, but, um, it's, it's a big deal. So for them, for them to get this done, um, is big and it's the eight years I think surprised me with the length of it Kaprizov I don't know if he gets like a shorter term deal if the Wilds really want to lock him in long term um, I haven't read uh, anything from Michael Russo lately so I don't know uh, what the Wild are doing but or where the Wild are kind of thinking in that situation but it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward um, and last thing we want to wrap up with here um, is the Wolves. And there's just one thing to touch on here because we already kind of talked about Ben Simmons and we'll probably talk about Ben Simmons again later. So I don't want to, I don't want to beat that one to death, but, um, Anthony Edwards is practicing with team USA as they're training for the Olympics. Now he's not, not on the Olympic roster, but he's basically on the practice squad. Um, and he suffered a sprain, uh, yesterday. He was kind of limping outside of the practice and everybody was all worried. Um, Darren Wolfson just said it was a sprain. Um, so nothing too serious. But um, a lot of people are like, well, why is he even down there? He shouldn't be down there. Uh, he's just hurting himself. Athletes shouldn't be doing this kind of st- – and to which I say, Anthony Edwards needs to be down there. This is good for Anthony Edwards. Even even if he sprains, even if he hurts himself and he misses, I mean he'll be fine. But even if like he had an injury that would cause him to miss the beginning of training camp, I don't care. I want Anthony Edwards to be at Team USA. I want him to be with all the NBA stars. I want him – to be doing this. I want Anthony Edwards to be around great basketball players, to pick the brains of great basketball players. I mean, I like Cat. I like Beasley. I'm fine with D'Lo. But, I mean, you look at the coaches that that Ant would be around. You look at the players that would be around. And just the way that that will help him mature, the way that it will help him um, grow in his basketball career – is huge, and I'll take the risk of an injury over that. Now, I know that we can say that because he just had a sprain, but you can't bubble wrap some of these players. You need experiences like this for him, and and to more – this kind of just more goes to the point broadly. I know we're kind of in the age where athletes need to be bubble wrapped because athletes' injuries are more prevalent than ever because players – to get so big and strong end up kind of stretching themselves so thin that they allow themselves to more muscle tears and, and all these kind of things. But I mean, it's just, I, players need to be doing things like this. This is good that Anthony Edwards is down there. Players need to be doing things like, um, you know, the all-star game players need to be doing things like, uh, like the Olympics, like the world cups. If you want to go soccer route, um, you know, there is a risk of injury and that risk is serious. And if Anthony Edwards were to, 
tear his ACL there. Um, obviously, we'd probably be talking about this a little bit differently, but you can't – it's like um, kind of uh, Mike Zimmer talks about this with OTAs um, and how some teams just would cancel theirs to prevent guys from getting hurt in uh, shorts practices, um, practices where they're in shorts. Um, but um, Zimmer said, you know, you can't be afraid of injuring your guys. And you just can't. And you can't be afraid that Anthony Edwards is going to tear his ACL because he was – I mean, Anthony Edwards could tear his ACL training. Do you want him to not lift weights? Do you want him to – I mean, this is as good of an offseason training as he's going to get being down here with the Olympic team. I, I, do, I don't know. It feels like just a – it feels like an overprotective measure. Um, Anthony Edwards needs this experience. He's got that confidence. He has that kind of it factor. And to see other NBA players, other top NBA players, and to be in that environment um, is huge for him. So he needs that. He needs that experience. Hopefully he's fine, and hopefully he stays down there um, for kind of as long as he can and pick the brains of some of the some of the best basketball players in the world. So, all right, I think that's going to wrap it up here uh, for the Minnesota Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week um, talking about plenty of stuff. I know I kind of kept it shorter today, but. Uh, uh, kind of limit on how much I can record uh, per month. So hopefully a longer one will be out next week. But um, thank you guys. Uh, hopefully some more Minnesota sports news will break, maybe some more contract extensions. Hopefully the links keep winning and maybe even some trades for the Twins. So, all right, thanks guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Minnesota Sports Podcast. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review and share the podcast on social media to help spread the word.